You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. This is Skip Coriel. Welcome to Episode 4 of the Home Defense Show. It's been over a week since I talked to you guys, so it's good to be back. Well, let me see. As always, uh, let's talk about my personal life. It's certainly of interest to me. What have I been doing this week? Oh, man, getting ready for Thanksgiving on the one hand. But more importantly, I've been protecting my family against hunger. What does that mean? That means I am going out there and trying to shoot the big buck. Last night, I saw the biggest buck of my life. I was in my tree stand, and I see a doe about 150 yards away. And, boy, she was... uh, Coming towards me, got within a hundred yards, but not big enough, uh, you know, to merit me shooting her. And then this huge buck comes out of the thicket and just starts, uh, you know, cozying up, you know, to this uh, nice, nice doe. And boy, I pulled up my scope and I looked at him, and man, he may have had twelve-inch tines. Um, nice spread, uh, maybe a 20-inch spread, nice dark rack, big-bodied, lots of burger in that deer. And I wanted that deer so bad. But at the same time, that deer was so big, he scared the crap out of me. I thought, man, I'm glad I'm up here in this tree and not down there on the ground. But I grunted a few times. You know, he didn't He didn't come. He was interested in that doe. You know, it was like most guys, I guess. And uh, so I took up my rattling bag, and I started smacking that thing around. And, um, you know, I raked the tree limbs next to me and grunted out with my big buck call. And I got his interest, and he moved a little bit closer, but not close enough for my shotgun with a slug. And he did. he just... Something about big bucks. They don't want to hold still broadside long enough for me to shoot them. I mean, it's the most inconsiderate thing. But eventually, I mean, he was out there for like five minutes, and then he just, you know, the doe went into the thicket, and he followed her in there. You know, right about now, they got a one-track mind. Um, This is a family show, so I won't go into that in detail. But uh, I went out. I thought, man, I'm going to get that deer. So... This morning, I get up, and it's 35 degrees, freezing rain. And so I thought, hey, good morning to go out deer hunting. So I went right uh, underneath the, the tree stand where this buck had been moseying around, and I sat out there in this tree stand for two and a half hours. I was like a skipsicle. Uh, I froze my butt off, didn't see a single deer, uh, my wife thinks that the deer have more sense than I do. She says, the deer are smarter than you. At least they had enough sense to uh, not go out in the freezing rain like that. But, yeah, she doesn't hunt. What does she know? I have a better chance of shooting that deer out there in the freezing rain than on my on my couch watching television. That's That's for sure. But, hey, I'm going out there again tonight. I'll go back in the morning, and I will not relent until that buck is hanging in my garage and then freezer-wrapped 
inside my freezer because I will protect my family from hunger. It has nothing to do with my ego, although I will not let this buck win. I will kill him. Okay, enough with the... Uh... Okay, let's move on to something else. I'll, uh, I'll tell you all about my dead deer next week. Let's move on to the news. I, I like looking at the news. It's a good reflection of the, the uh, social climate out there. Okay, I'm on Drudge. Americans have most hope in decade. What is that all about? Americans have most hope in a decade. I wonder why that is. Well, let's check it out here. On the surface, the message from U of M, final reading, blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's all about our pocketbooks, the almighty dollar, so we have hope that we'll make more money. Hey, I have hope that I'll make more money. I don't think I'm going to, but hey, hope's a good thing, right? What else we got here? Oh, aliens, massive fireball freaks Florida. Wow. You know, we could do a whole home defense show on alien invasion. I mean, why not? I mean, just because it's never happened before doesn't mean it wouldn't. I mean, it could. Zombies? I mean, Sasquatch? All of them. I mean, it's it's a possibility. So what kind of rounds would you use on an alien? What would be your weapon of choice? That is definitely... Worth some discussion. I mean, you want to cause massive tissue damage and blood loss. The question is, do aliens have blood? Are they carbon-based? I think you want to go massive firepower, massive penetration. Because don't they usually have those bio suits on? Uh, for all I know, they're... They're made out of titanium or, you know, diamond or something. They could be really hard. So I'm thinking 50 caliber, BMG, cartridge. Yeah, that would be good. So, all right, maybe not. What else we got here? Iran warns of retaliation if USA breaches nuclear deal. Retaliation. What the hell are you going to do to us? Come on over here and retaliate. You know, that, that's what I would like. You go ahead, you retaliate. You get your retaliatory butt over here, and we'll see how that goes for you. Got a fifty caliber BMG cartridge for you, too, buddy. Anyways, all right, what else we got? U.S. military simulates silenced warf warfare? What, the neighbors are complaining because our guns are too loud? What's up with that? I'm not even a, a stealth nuke launcher. I could use one of those. Half of women want virtual reality sex. I don't even know what to say about that. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. More TV lowers sperm count. Why is everything about sex on the news? Amazing. What else we got? 
Romney is the lead pick for Secretary of State. Uh, I was never really a Romney fan. I voted for him, but he was the lesser of two evils. Uh, let me see. What else do we have here? What is that? Oh, my. Zuckerberg sells soul to China. I wonder how much he got. Huh. have to check that out. World's worst traffic jam. Looks like in Los Angeles. Why do they live in the city? If you don't want a traffic jam, you have to move out of the city. You know what, though? That's screwed up for me out here. Stay in the city. Make all the traffic jams you want. Road rage, I don't care. You guys just go for it. Woman shoots house guests who overstayed welcome. You know, I bet that's going to have a, happen a lot over the holidays. You know, people are just so tense right now. Oh, look at this one. Fifth police officer shot in three days? Wow. Yeah, I heard there's a cop just shot in the head just a couple hours from me in Detroit. It's uh, a dangerous time to be a cop these days, I tell you. You know, uh, they're being targeted. When the people who put the bad guys in jail are being targeted by the bad guys, doesn't that sound like a war? I mean, it does to me. If things are, if they're that bold, that brazen, maybe the cops need to declare war on the bad guys. Do some preemptory stuff, but yeah, there might be something unconstitutional or illegal about that, but eh, I'm not a cop, so I guess I just don't have to worry about that. But think about it, folks. The cops are the ones that you rely on to protect you from the bad guys. If they can't protect themselves against the bad guys, how are they going to protect you? And if all these cops keep getting killed, these uh, young people coming up, are they really going to want to be cops? Something to think about. Hmm. Nasty rise of flash mob robbers. Folks, I have a feeling that this holiday season is not going to be fun uh, for shoppers. I really don't. I mean, the last five, six years, we've been reading about, you know, Walmart riots, uh, you know, people killing people to get their tennis shoes, uh, beating people up, you know, because, you know, they got the last electronic device, and it shows up on on Facebook, and you, you see the video of people going crazy over a consumer item. I mean, is that nuts or what? The, the whole world has gone crazy. Well, you need to know how to protect yourself against stuff like that, and that's why we are here, the Home Defense Show. Um, you know, how, how do you defend yourself away from home? You don't always stay at home. You, you got to go out shopping. So be alert out there, folks. Be very, very alert. 
especially in those parking lots, man, these bad guys, they are going to be patrolling the parking lots. They are going to be watching you and looking for an easy mark. Look like sheep, you'll be eaten by wolves. Do not look like a sheep, folks. Look tough. Look like a United States Marine, if you can. All right, folks, what do we have for you today? Oh, man, we've got good stuff today. We have got uh, a special guy coming on. He's been a friend of mine for over a decade. Um, his name is Joel Fulton. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. All right, folks, this is Dick Coriel with the Home Defense Show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we appreciate you stopping by and listening to us. Um, we have uh, a very dear friend um, in the studio today. His name is Joel Fulton. I've known Joel for many years. He's the owner of Freedom Firearms in Battle Creek, Michigan, and he's also a very staunch uh, Second Amendment advocate. Um, Joel, thank you for being with us, and welcome to the show. My pleasure. It's always good to be with you, Skip. All right, Joel. Um, the listeners don't know you yet. You know, we're a brand-new show, but I'd like to have you on again and again and again. So uh, why don't you tell the listeners, uh, boy, you know, your life story, everything relevant that's exciting and interesting. Um, who is Joel Fulton, and who is uh, what is Freedom Firearms? Well, you know, as with most people, I was born at a very early age. And uh, oh, I went on from there. Now it's been great doing this. I've, um, you know, I always looked for a business that I could do myself. My dad used to tell me, if you want to get paid what you're worth, you go into business for yourself. Of course, he forgot about taxes and a whole bunch of other things to go with it that doesn't make it worth it so much. But nonetheless, um, I searched for a long time, and then when the shell issue law uh, came about in Michigan in 2001, um, that legislation was being debated in 2000, and I saw then that there was going to be opportunity there. Um, and I began to look at establishing business. And my brother and I, Jared, um, we managed to buy the building that we're currently in in November, the end of November 2001, just after the shell issue law had been passed. And you remember how much training was going on at that time. You were a huge part of that. Yeah. And uh, we got that building renovated in just about six months. April 20th of 2002, we were open to the public, and we began teaching concealed carry classes. Um, and since that time, obviously, early on, we became acquainted with you. Um, as you remember, we have always kind of had a gentleman's agreement between us. I don't advertise heavily in your area, and you don't advertise real heavily in mine because we have mutual respect for each other's training. And that's really what it's all about. I want to make sure that when people get trained, they're getting good quality training. There are some instructors that are out there that 
I fear sometimes don't give as good of instruction or training as is what should be out there in the public. Um, that concerns me a little bit. Um, but on the whole, I think most of us do a really great job. And because of that, when I see folks that are doing great training, I try not to step on their toes. I'd like them to be able to keep doing that really great training. And in order to do that, there has to be some compensation taking place. Um, my father was a preacher, and he always said, you know, a workman is worthy of his hire. I think the same is true with good quality firearms instructions. It's worth the money you're going to pay for it. That, that instruction, that training could one day save your life and the lives of the ones that are around you that are close to you. So I think good quality instruction is very, very important. I've always been pleased um, that you've been really great in your area, and uh, it's been a pleasure to be just down the road from you. Well, you know, Jill, that gentleman's agreement that we we have and we have had and we've honored for many, many years, that's a very rare thing to run across um, two people who are businessmen who will just agree to, hey, I'm going to honor you, you're going to honor me, and that has just been uh, fantastic for both of us. And, you know, we can only do that because you're a man of honor and I'm a man of honor, and plus we're also, you know, not to – some braggadocious, but we're both very good instructors, and, uh, you know, I would have no problem inviting you into one of my classes and just say, hey, Joel, uh, you know, go for it, because I know you're going to give uh, the best training in West Michigan, uh, maybe in the state, so that's uh, that's a rare thing for two guys. Or, or vice versa, right? And, you know, it hasn't happened, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're aware that if anything would ever happen where... Skip calls me and says, hey, look, none of my, all my instructors are out of town on vacation. I hurt myself cutting wood for the family, and I got a class with, you know, 60 people showing up tomorrow. Is there any way that you've got any way to cover that? Jared and I would be there in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, I know that, Joel, and you don't realize how close I came to doing that on several occasions this past year because you know that I, I did hurt my back really yeah. had a herniated the disc and, there were some of those Saturday mornings, you know, get up at 6 a.m., and I'm thinking, gosh, can I even stand up and straighten my body up, well, let alone go out there for 10 hours. And I came close on a couple occasions, um, you know, of, of doing something like that. And, you know, I'd certainly be willing to do that for, for you as well. You know, another, uh, you know, I think I really started feeling uh, close to you back uh, in, a, what was it, like 2009 when we did the Second Amendment March. You yes. just, uh, you jumped on that bandwagon and you rode that horse all the way to Washington, D.C. You you set up some, um, some Second Amendment town hall meetings uh, in your county um, and you, you sponsored a bus, started a bus. Yeah. Yeah, and took, uh, what, like 50, 60 people to the Second Amendment March in D.C.? And that was just a uh, great time. That was awesome. And you organized that whole thing, but in the king began to imagine the amount of work that you put into that. Um, I, I wish that certain firearms organizations had gotten further behind that. I understand their reasoning for not doing that and their reticence. But I think, you know, at the Second Amendment March, I think we proved that you can have a large gathering of firearms owners and most of the, their, their fear is not that firearms owners are going to do something stupid. They're afraid that somebody from the outside is going to come in, do something stupid with a firearm, and then immediately blame it on the gun owners. Yeah. And, of course, the press is going to run the concern. It's going to be bad press. Yeah. You know, and, you know, go ahead. 
Go ahead. And that, I mean, really, that event, when we pulled that off and did that successfully, i got to be honest with you, Skip, you talk about inspiration. That right there told me it could be done. And that's what yeah. made it, even though I was reticent, that's what caused me to do what I did this summer with my brother and with our organization in combination with the Battle Creek Bombers, mm-hmm. where we put on the Second Amendment Education oh, Night and encouraged the open carrying of firearms at the ball game. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could have been there. I was teaching, uh, and yeah. I couldn't make it, but I, I was following you on Facebook, and it looked like you guys had a really good time. It was a great success. It was huge. We sold out the ballpark. Probably about two-thirds of the people there were carrying open. There were people there that, I mean, they didn't care one way or the other. They didn't have a dog in the race. They were just there to watch a ball game. They were just average, everyday spectators, and most of them, initially, they were like, yeah, I don't know about this. And as the game went on, they are like, I'm glad you guys are here. I feel like I'm in the safest place in Battle Creek. I'm like, you absolutely are. There were some people that could have carried that night that said, hey, look, I want to have a beer with the ball game, but I know that, you know, guns and alcohol don't mix. I know that's the policy here tonight. And so I've chosen not to carry tonight, even though I could have, because I want to have a beer. And what do I need to carry for? Everybody else around here is armed. I've got plenty of protection around tonight. It was awesome. It made national news. It hit the Washington Post. It hit the New York Times. It hit TMZ. It hit Sports Illustrated. It hit every national news outlet across the nation on the radio. The Associated Press picked it up. And it went international. It made newspapers in England and France that I know of. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, was a minor league alive. Yeah, that was a minor league baseball game in, in Battle Creek. Well, what were the two teams that, that played? Oh, the Battle Creek Bombers. You know, I couldn't even tell you what the other team was. We won. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and, and nobody said kill the young. I'll be darned! Wow, and it was just a good family fun night, family oh. and done. It sounds good. Absolutely. Okay, so are you going to do that again uh, next summer? I'm not sure that we're going to be able to do it again. Um, the problem was is the anti-gun folks who didn't even attend, didn't even have, they didn't even have the intestinal fortitude to show up and protest the thing, right? I mean, at least if you're going to get angry about it and go behind the scenes and do all this nasty stuff, at least show up in person and protest it. You know, at least give us that much, you know, but they wouldn't even face us. But they did go, um, they, they attacked the league across the nation, attacked, um, went after some major sponsors. Um, the league ended up taking a, about a $50,000 sponsorship hit over that whole thing. Um, so unless I can find a gun company that will, you know, a couple of gun companies that will step up and sponsor the whole league and make up that sponsorship, unfortunately, we're probably not going to get invited back. Well, you know what? I wonder, you know, um, you know, Tim Smith from the United States Concealed Carry Association, he he basically, he was a large sponsor for Second Amendment March, and that was while he was first getting started way back in, uh, you know, 2009. Uh, sure. You know, not to volunteer uh, Tim Smith, but Tim, if you're listening, you should uh, give Joe Fulton a call at Freedom Firearms in Battle Creek, Michigan, because that would be great PR for the United States Concealed Carry Association, and uh, it'd be just good all the way around, and if you let me know in advance, boy, I, I, I can schedule my uh, my training around that. That would be fantastic. Exactly. That would be completely awesome to have you there. Oh, I'd love to have a couple of hot dogs there with a firearm strapped on my side. I just, I love the uh, the open carry 
marches, you know, like the Second Amendment March rally that we do every year in Lansing in April, um, and all the picnics that Michigan Open Carry uh, sponsors. Um, those are just fantastic. It's good public relations, and it's potluck, so it's like fantastic food. It's like, you know, guns in your family in total safety. Um, it's just uh, it's, it's a great way for people who have never open carried to just go do it, knowing that they're not going to be arrested by the police, they're not going to be hassled by anybody, and they're going to meet a lot of good people. And I just uh, I love those uh, open carry uh, functions. It allows you to do it comfortably and not have to worry about, is everybody watching me? Am I going to be looked at as an oddball? Is yeah. somebody going to call the cops on me? Am I going to have to deal with the police? And yeah, it, it creates a, a friendly environment. And quite frankly, look, if you're out there and you see a guy carrying a gun in a holster, you should probably in the back of your mind go, initially my first thought is that's a good guy with a gun. Now, that doesn't mean you don't watch him. Obviously, you see a fire and you see a weapon that's capable of causing death. Obviously, I know where he's at. But my first assumption is not that it's a bad guy with nefarious intent. That's not my first thought. Because bad guys that have ill intent and aren't supposed to be having firearms in their possession in the first place don't carry them open. They want to hide their intent until they are about to strike. So they always carry concealed, in my experience. Well, and um, guy carrying a gun in a properly holstered manner—that's probably the guy yeah. you want to walk up to and go, "Hey, look, my tire just went flat. Is there any way you can help me out and get that changed?" Yeah, yeah. Usually the bad guys—I mean, I mean, the gun is, is tucked inside their waistband, you know, in the back or, or up uh, in the appendix uh, carry position. The, the bad guys tend to not even use um, holsters. So, yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're what you're saying on that. Um, I'd I'd like to do more open carry stuff. Um, I mean, you and I, we've been to open carry events before. It's uh, fantastic public relations. Um, you know, I would probably open carry a lot more. Um, my, my biggest fear isn't the bad guy or someone trying to steal my gun. My biggest fear is, um, you know, someone calling 911 and uh, sticking the cops on me out of spite or just because they're, they're, they're paranoid. But I think a lot of people feel that way about open carry. Well, and for that reason, when, when I do open carry, I rarely do it alone. If I'm going to open carry, I'm going to have a friend with me. I'm going to have a witness. It's not going to be my word against somebody else's word. Yeah, that's probably wise. And, and it, it, it's scared that you're exactly right. I'm more scared of loony liberals that are terrified of firearms that want to, quote, unquote, swap me, that's the new thing. I call the police and tell them this guy is trying to kill everybody when, in truth, I haven't done anything wrong. All I did was carry a firearm open. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, Joel, we are just about out of time for this segment. Um, let's go ahead and let's take a little break. Uh, hear from all of our sponsors then. And when we come back, I think we'll go ahead and we'll talk about uh, this latest election and how that might impact um, the Second Amendment. So, folks, don't go anywhere. We will be right back in a moment. My name is Cedric Coriel. Welcome to the Home Defense Show with my dad, Skip Coriel. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. 
Wednesdays at 2. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. We are here with the owner of Freedom Firearms in Battle Creek, Joel Fulton. Joel, we just had a very important uh, election just a few weeks ago. thinking maybe you and I could uh, maybe analyze it, break it down, and find out what this means to the Second Amendment. What are your thoughts on this latest uh, presidential election? Well, my thoughts is there's a huge groundswell of support that said, hey, look, we're tired of the direction the country's going in. We absolutely do not want somebody who has been involved in political corruption for as many years as what Hillary Clinton was, and they said, we're just, we can't. No matter how demonized the media has portrayed Donald Trump, no matter how much arrogance he might display, we'd rather have that than have Hillary Clinton. And I don't think that either side was terribly excited about their candidate in most situations. Um, But I saw a lot more folks that said, hey, look, Trump's the guy, than I saw anybody for Hillary and Tim Kaine. In fact, I saw Trump and Pence signs all over the place probably anywhere from the neighbor of 50 to 75 to 1. It was unreal. And I'm in, I'm in Battle Creek where, quite frankly, the ratio of Democrats to Republicans is just about 50-50. There were local candidates that, quite frankly, there was incumbent Democrats who have, really haven't done a bad job at the local level that got defeated. And they got defeated because of the Trump wave. There were first-time voters going out and voting, and all they did is vote straight-party ticket. Now, the Democrats have been after that straight-party ticket vote and go, hey, we want straight-party ticket voting, and it hurt them this time, and it hurt them bad. I hate straight-ticket party voting. Traditionally, it's been the Republican side that said, hey, we don't want all the, you know, they put out unions and that kind of stuff going in there and just, you know, pulling the lever for one party. Look, I don't want anybody pulling the lever for any single party. I want you to do your research. I want you to be a responsible voter. And I want you to look and vote for people rather than just voting for a party. You should be looking at the stances of each individual candidate and choosing from among them the best candidate you can find. And you should not only be doing that in the general election. You should be backing that up and doing it in primary elections. Ten percent of our nation voted in the primary which means about 6% of the nation chose what your choices were going to be in the general election. You should have been involved in the primary. That's where you could have selected your best choice for a candidate. And in states that don't have primaries, then you should be involved in your local party politics and you should be an elected delegate. Delegate is the lowest elected 
position in the entire nation. Each voting precinct has a certain number of delegates allotted. And you get elected as a delegate for a particular party, whether it be the Democrat Party, the Republican Party. You get elected as a delegate. Once you are elected as a delegate, every time there's a county convention called, you go to convention. At that convention, you select a certain number of delegates from among you, and usually each county has somewhere around 100, 150 delegates. Those delegates select a number of delegates that go to state convention. Those delegates that go to state convention then make choices for the party at the state level. Every four years, they select one delegate from each congressional district in that state to form the Electoral College. I know that a lot of people, we say Electoral College, and they don't even recognize or realize what the Electoral College is or how it is formed. They think it's the political elite in Washington that elect our president based on party affiliation. That's not how it is. It is based on party affiliation, but it is delegates. It is everyday, ordinary people that live next door to you that walk their dogs down your street that are electing the president because they've been selected by their fellow delegates at a state convention. We got through doing that just here in August, here in the state of Michigan, up in Grand Rapids. And I was able to cast a vote for our delegate that went from the 3rd Congressional District in the state of Michigan. That set of delegates, unfortunately, they go state by state, and whoever wins the popular vote gets all of that state's electors. Okay, So, for instance, in the state of Michigan, where I reside, we have 14 congressional districts, and we get two electors for our, uh, representing the two senators that we have in Washington. So every state's going to have at least three electors. And then based on population, you may have more electors. State of Michigan gets 16. State of Florida gets 29. State of California gets 55 electors. Then whoever wins that popular vote, all of that party's delegates go to the electoral college. I saw an uh, article on Drudge uh, just recently that talked about some of the electors getting death threats from, from Hillary Clinton fans, warning them not to vote for Trump. Now, are, are they not, are the electors, are they legally, constitutionally bound to vote for whoever won the popular vote in their state or not? They are generally legally bound to do that. And by legally bound, I mean they have to be good faith electors. Uh, in Michigan, the law reads this immediately. If you believe you can't vote for the candidate that you're being sent there, you're supposed to recuse yourself and someone else will be appointed in your place. In Washington, for instance, and this is all done state by state, the state is allowed to determine how this is going to happen. In Washington, for instance, there's a penalty for being a bad faith elector. If you don't elect for your candidate, and this law has been in place for a long time, it's a $1,000 fine, which back in the day would have been like paying a million dollars. Today, $1,000 fine not as big a deal. They probably should look at adjusting that. My biggest problem is this. I don't think it should be a winner-take-all in the state. I think we should be like Maine and Nebraska. Now, Maine and Nebraska are unique in that you have to win the popular vote in each congressional district, and that determines which elector from that congressional district, whether it be Republican or Democrat, is going to go to the Electoral College. In Maine, they have four electoral votes. You have to win each congressional district. And then in Nebraska, they have five congressional votes you have to win in each congressional district. If we did that, for instance, here in the state of Michigan, typically what you would find is you would find several congressional districts that would always go Democrat, 
because they tend to be in high populous areas where there are more Democrats located. Mm -hmm. So your ones from Detroit, Flint, and that area, those congressional districts would end up being Democrat electors going. But over here in the rural areas, you find a lot more Republican or more conservative electors being elected and going. And I think what you need to understand about the electoral college is this is not a democracy. Popular votes should not determine who ends up representing our nation. We are a representative republic, not a democracy. The reason for that is so that people who are consumers don't overwhelm those who are, who are producers simply by power of the fact that they have more people to dictate. You have a majority rule, you have mob rule. And consumers do what consumers do. They consume. That doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they consume. So a lot of times they don't recognize what it takes to produce. Now, producers need consumers. We need consumers to consume what we produce. It's how we make money. But we're also outnumbered by the consumers. Because if I'm a farmer and I'm making food, I have a lot of land mass that needs to be represented, but I only have one vote as an individual. The electoral college balances the power between consumers and producers. I think you're on to something. I would like to see something like that happen, certainly in our home state of Michigan, but all, all across the country. But let's talk just for a couple of minutes about what this last election might mean to gun-owning families, Second Amendment families, people who conceal carry. What do you see happening under a Trump administration? Well, there are several things that can be done at the national level that would advance firearms rights. One I'm a little iffy on, national reciprocity um, could quite possibly happen. If they use the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States as their authority for passing that, then I'm okay with it. I'm not necessarily as fond of using the authority of the Commerce Clause. That Commerce Clause has been used more times than I can shake a stick at it been used for far more things than it ever should have been. Obamacare would be one. And they stretched that clause out so far that you could drive a Mack truck through it. I don't think it was ever intended to be that wide or flexible so the federal government could consume power in the manner in which they have. I would like to see national reciprocity. It does make me a little nervous because what the federal government giveth, the federal government can take away. Here in the state of Michigan, I worked on a volunteer basis with both uh, Attorney General Mike Cox as well as current Attorney General Bill Schutte and have advanced our reciprocity to its maximum point. There are no other states that we can gain reciprocity with until they change their particular state laws. And Michigan enjoys the most recognized concealed pistol license anywhere in the nation. And you can't undo that overnight. There's no way to undo that amount of reciprocity overnight. So we're going to keep that for the foreseeable future. The other thing that I think that you will see through maybe in the first 100 days, hopefully, of the um, Trump administration is the Hearing Protection Act at the federal level, which should deregulate silencers from the National Firearms Act in 1934. That means you will then be able to go in and purchase suppressors on the spot for your firearms, much in the same way that you'd want to put a muffler on your lawnmower. It's going to be better for the shooting sports. It's going to protect people's hearing. It's going to make ranges far safer. Can you imagine having everybody have silencers on your range, Skip, so that when you're calling out commands and doing ceasefire or commence firing or any other command that you need everybody to hear on the range, having everybody hear instantaneously instead of having to scream and shout until you're hoarse? There's just so many more things about it that make it safer. It contains more of the lead particulate up front so that we're not breathing it in, keeps us healthier. It's just all around. It's just fantastic stuff. You know, unfortunately, I, 
already lost a measure of hearing from being on the range just so much, and it even works for you uh, in an indoor range. I would think it seems like it's louder inside because the noise isn't dissipating out. But let's talk about uh, we got we got another we got one more minute. Let's talk about uh, Supreme Court because it seems like that's pretty important too. That's huge. Um, the fact that we're going to have uh, at least one appointment, okay, keep maintaining our five to four quote unquote conservative majority on the court. Keep in mind, most Supreme Court justices, the average retirement age is about 77. We have three currently over that age. So there's going to be probably at least three appointments in the next three years. Most of those have leaned liberal. So that's going to change the face of the Supreme Court probably for the next 30 years or so on the court. That's pretty huge and that's pretty important. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that, that's fantastic it, and it is huge. I mean, if we could get, you know, a 6-3 or a 7-2 pro-Second Amendment Supreme Court, I mean, that doesn't just guarantee my rights and your rights, but the rights of our kids and our grandkids as well, because, you know, the Supreme Court, uh, a Supreme Court justice is a gift that keeps on giving for you know, 30, possibly 40 years. It's just amazing. How yeah, a lot of those guys that take that serious, right? I'm appointed for life. How many yeah. recently have died in office? Rehnquist, yeah. Scalia, right on down the line. Well, Joe, unfortunately we are out of time now, but before we sign off for good, the first thing, it's great having you on here, but tell us um, how we can get a hold of you, how we can learn about Freedom Firearms and, and all things uh, Joe if you want to go to our website, it's uh, freedomfirearms.biz, our online uh, website where you can order firearms if you want to pick them up here at the store or just about any accessories. It ties into the inventory of about four or five of my major wholesalers. You can order online. Um, if those accessories are not FFL-regulated items, they ship right to your door. You can order online at www.freedomfirearms-online.com. That's freedomfirearms-online.com. You can uh, come see us at 539 Capitol Avenue Southwest. Always love seeing good patriotic friends stopping in. Love to have a chat. Love to do things. In fact, uh, talking about a chat, that's awfully British. We just got through having a documentary done here this summer by a British documentary team. That has been airing over in England. We've gotten great response from that. They still think we're a little cuckoo, but it, it was a great documentary, and it was a lot of fun. All right, and when you're driving down Capitol Avenue, it's that store with the great big giant statue pistol right out in front of the store. It's yeah, our big 1911 gun mailbox. All right. Okay, Joel, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for the training that you do and all the work that you do for the Second Amendment and for families. Uh, we will talk to you again, I'm sure. Folks, this is Skip Coriel on the Home Defense Show. We are signing off for this segment. We'll be right back after you after a few words from our sponsors here. Welcome to my dad's Home Defense Radio Show. You're going to love it. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net.
Support USJF as they support you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. We've uh, had a pretty good time today. We talked to Joel Fulton for quite a bit, learned about the Electoral College and the election and how to become uh, politically involved on a local level. Quite frankly, I can't stand politics. I don't like to get involved in politics. But the thing is, I learned a long time ago that politics is where the power is. And if good people like you and I don't get involved in politics, guess who does? That's right. The scumbags, um, the uh, politicians, they get involved. Has to be grassroots. Has to be... You know, the the guy who's working in the factory down the road, uh, it's got to be the cab driver, got to be the farmer, got to be, you know, the doctor, the lawyer, just the regular Johnny Cupcake that lives down the road from you. You have to be involved. You have to engage in all this political crap, even though I hate to do it. I mean, look at look at this past election. It's like... You get involved in politics, it's like the past eight, ten years, I felt like I've had a bath in a septic tank, and I just want to be clean again. I don't think politics is going to be clean uh, for a long, long time. And I don't think politics is the answer to America's ills. Um, I just don't. I think it's going to take a higher power uh, to make things right here in America and in the world, for that matter. But I don't want to get sidetracked on politics. As I said, I, I hate it. I get involved because I have to and because other people don't. But right now, I want to talk about something tactical. Let's talk about different modes of carry. I learned uh, years back that your mode of carrying your concealed carry gun is very, very important. Um, Let me tell you a story. It's kind of an embarrassing story. So, you know, don't tell anyone about this because it's it's quite embarrassing. I was a single dad uh, years ago. I had, uh, you know, two kids that were living with me. Uh, They were like five and seven years old, just little tots. And, uh, boy, I think I was working two or three jobs at the time, trying to make ends meet and, uh, you know, being a full-time custodial father. And as such, when that happens, you're just incredibly busy all the time. So I went, uh, you know, got home from work. Kids say, Daddy, we need shoes. We need shoes. We've got to, uh, you know, they're wearing out. So... But okay, kids, jump in the car. So, you know, they jumped in the car. And then, um, you know, I had to get ready myself real quick. And I was I remember I was wearing sweatpants. And I only had a certain amount of time. 
So instead of, you know, putting on better pants, jeans or something with a belt, I just took my uh, concealed carry gun and, and inside the waistband holster and I, I tucked it in the small of my back. I just figure, well, I'm in a hurry. Uh, I don't want to go on arms, so I'll go ahead and do that. So me and the kids, we get in the car, we drive on over to Walmart and we're back in the shoe section. And, you know, of course, the kids are being uh, uncooperative. So, you know, raising kids like that by yourself is kind of like trying to herd chickens, you know, just doesn't work very well. So, you know, I'm having to, you know, bend down, take off their old shoes, put on the new ones, stand up, you know, walk around. How's it feel? You know, check their toes. So I'm bending down, getting up all the time. And... All of a sudden, I hear a lady behind me say, may I help you, sir? And I stood up real fast. And when I did that, the uh, holster that had been tucked into my waistband in the small of my back, it fell out onto the floor and the gun came out and landed right between this lady's leg. She was a Walmart worker, you know, middle-aged lady. And the look on her face was just like, Oh, man, this guy's got a gun. Am I going to die? And, you know, she held her hand over her mouth like she was shocked, and then she turned and she ran the other way. And I thought, oh, crap, this is not going to be fun. It's not going to go well at all. So I uh, quick picked up the gun, scooped it up, uh, put it back in the holster, put it back where it belongs, and uh, the kids are going, what's going to happen, Daddy? What's going to happen, Daddy? And I said, well, just let's just get your shoes. And I, I got my wallet out. I got my driver's license and my concealed pistol license out because I figured, well, somebody's going to come. I didn't know if it was going to be a SWAT team or the manager or what. But So uh, it was about three, four minutes. And I look over across the store, and I can see... Um, the manager flanked by three stock boys. You know, they were the guys that stocked the shelves. You know, it looks like she'd gotten the biggest men that she could find to, to come with her. And she came over there, and she was looking around uh, trying to find me. Couldn't find me. And, and finally I said, hey, I'm over here. Come on over here. And so, you know, her and her... Uh, bouncers came on over there and she just walked up and she was very grim faced and she said are you the man with a gun and i said well yes ma'am i i am the man with a gun and i uh, handed her my concealed pistol license and i said you know hey i'm i'm sorry that happened it's uh um you know i've got a concealed pistol license i'm legal and it, it was just an accident and she looked at my cpl and she handed it back to me and she said we don't allow guns in here I said, really? And, and I looked over across the store, and I, I said, ma'am, this is Walmart. You, you sell guns here. They're, they're right over there. And I, I pointed, and she said, well, but those are our guns. We don't allow other people's guns inside the store. And I just thought for a second, and go, oh, you know, Skip, you screwed up. You, uh, you know, you're, you're in trouble here. How are you going to salvage uh, yourself here? Because I knew that if I didn't handle this well, you know, best case scenario, I'd get kicked out of the store, be forced to leave or whatever. And uh, so I just said, listen, ma'am, 
you know, I, I happen to know that Walmart Corporation does not have a policy um, that says guns are not allowed in the store. And, you know, she started to think, you know, I could tell, you know, she probably really didn't know. And so she's thinking, you know, I could smell smoke because, you know, she was thinking so hard. And then I, I said, I said, listen, I screwed up. I made a mistake. Uh, why don't we just say, listen, I'll be more careful next time. And this will never, ever happen again. And uh, she thought about it for a second. And then she said, okay, fine. And her and her three bouncers turned and left. And, you know, that was the end of it. But, you know, the point is, I screwed up. I took a shortcut. I got in a hurry. I did not properly secure my firearm. And as a result, I mean, the gun came out. Um, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, the the sales clerk could have just dialed 911, could have been a SWAT team there. Could have been really nasty. The thing is, I needed to be more careful. I needed to take that extra time. If you're going to carry uh, a firearm for personal defense, you have to secure it properly. It has to be in a position where you can readily access it. You have to quickly access it. Um, the trigger has to be covered up by the holster or whatever method of carry that you that you use. And um, it, it's got to be secure. It can't fall out. Now, what did I learn from that? Uh, what changes did I make? Oh, man, I made a lot of changes. You know, I threw that holster away. Um, I just, uh, I never really liked it. It wasn't secure enough. And I went to, uh, now what I carry is I've got, uh, when I carry my full frame, uh, Smith & Wesson M&P 9mm, I'll use a, a Serpa Blackhawk retention holster. That thing, um, it's impossible for the gun to fall out. Is it bigger? Yeah. Does it still, you know, it fits on my, on my belt. You know, you want a wide belt, a wide, sturdy belt. Don't get that pressed leather. Um, that will eventually uh, break. It'll tear and break. You want top grain cowhide. Do not go cheap on your concealed carry belt. Uh, it's got to be a good one. It's got to be strong. Mm, I'll use that. On times when I don't want to have something attached to my hip like that, or I want to wear sweatpants or shorts in the summer, I use something uh, called a fanny pack. My favorite one is uh, Tommy's Gun Pack. Uh, you can check that out just by going to tommysgunpack.com. And they've got sales that they'll run, like two-for-one specials, uh, buy two or buy two, get the third free, something like that. They are expensive, but they're tough Cordura. Um, I like the Tommy's Gun Pack because, you know, the, the gun fits in there really nice. It's safe. It's secure. And most of the um, fanny packs that I've run across, they open up. Uh, from the concealed part compartment in the back by just a little uh, string or a piece of rope um, that you just grab it and pull. I don't like that because uh, most altercations occur in low light conditions. And in, in the low light, I'm not going to be able to see that little rope that you grab and pull. And so I want something that I can open in the dark one-handed 
without having to look at the fanny pack because you don't want to take your eyes off uh, off the threat. So what I uh, that Tommy's gun pack, it's got a patented nylon buckle, and it's it's pretty big. It's about uh, two to three inches uh, in diameter, and I can just reach down in the dark, even with gloves on. Um, up here in you know Michigan, all the, the colder weather i'm wearing gloves quite a bit i can reach down keep my eyes on the threat i can squeeze that buckle i can pull it open reach in grab the gun safely pull the gun out present the gun all without looking at the uh, fanny pack or the gun i just do it all by feel and i i love that particular mode of uh carry that's especially nice in the summer when i'm going out uh jogging or for walks or something like that or if i just want to I don't want to dress like during that uh, that shoe incident with the kids. If I'd had the fanny pack, I just could have, you know, went to the gun safe, beep, 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 click, open it up, grab it, snap it on, walk out. Everything would have been fine, would have been hunky-dory. So um, those are the two modes of carry that I use most often now, and they seem to work uh, for me. Well... Um, we'll talk more about it later. Maybe we'll have some experts on, but, uh, we need to sign off for now. But before we do that, I just want to wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving. I want you to, uh, for me, Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm praising God and thanking God for all the things that I have. I've got a wonderful family. I got seven kids. I got a house. I got 20 acres loaded with big bucks. So, you know, God's been very good to me. I will see all of you back um, next week. Don't forget, you can email me at skipcoriel at hotmail.com, or you can go on my website, mwtac.com. That's michaelwhiskeytangoalphacharlie.com. And catch me on uh, Facebook, uh, Midwest Tactical Training, or Skip Coriel. It's been great. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless all of you. We will see you next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.